The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highechelloncpa.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highecheloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is elementalaltitude.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance's mission is to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and to find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. everybody and welcome back to the most pleasant exhaustion podcast brought to you by ITO coaching performance blue pineapple travel high echelon and elemental altitude my name is george darden i'm an endurance athlete and coach in atlanta georgia i'm a father of twin boys and i'm a college professor my name is michelle frank i'm also an endurance athlete in atlanta i am a mom to three girls and a cpa and my name's Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina, the father to three college students, the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa, and so happy to be here for the George cast. <laughs> so Eric has taken to calling it to the George cast since it's going to be uh, featuring, among other things, my Austin Marathon race report here. But Michelle, what were you about to say? I just think it's funny that this is like Eric's new, uh, the, the way he ends his intro, because Three episodes ago, it was like the George and Michelle show. Two episodes ago, it was the George and Eric show. Then we had an interview, and now it's just the George show. The George so, that's right. That's right. It's all been moving towards today. It's always all about George. <laughs> that is not true, um, but uh, but it will be today. 
Um, and so I, I do look forward to talking to about the Austin Marathon with uh, with both of you. Uh, and in turn, talking about the three marathon or more efforts I did over the course of the five weeks and uh, whether I would do that again and what some of the big takeaways are and where I am now, of course, um, which is, spoiler alert, in rest mode, um, which I think is good. Um, Finally. Yeah. Let's talk about the uh, the Atlanta Marathon and the Half Marathon. Uh, that, of course, was this past weekend. Um, none of us ran it, but all of us have run it before. Um, the uh, There were 9,000 runners over the course of the weekend. There was a 5K um, on Saturday. Um, the 5K also featured a USATF Masters 5K Road Race Championship. Um, and so there were over 40 runners, uh, runners who are over 40 years old, came from around the United States to uh, to to compete for a national title there. Um, and lots of different champions. But the one that I will highlight is that friend of the podcast, Betty Lindbergh, at 98 years old, ran just over 59 minutes for 5K. Bet she won her age group. Uh she won the over 95 age group for sure. Um, she was actually in an age group. I think that's over 80. I think that's the highest is 80 plus. Um, and, and she was on the Atlanta track club masters women's team for, uh, the over 80 plus group. Um, but yeah, 59 minutes and like two seconds or something like that. So a little bit slower than she went last year. All right, Michelle, two years from now, Betty Lindbergh will be 100 years old. Yep. She will undoubtedly be running 5Ks as she does. I agree. Do you think she's going to break an hour as a 100-year-old? I think if there's any 100-year-old that can run a 5K in under 60 minutes, Betty Lindbergh has my vote. So I hope to see her do it. <laughs> so I hope so, too. Um, I like her a lot. She was gracious enough to come on to the podcast a, a couple of years ago. Um, and so, so yeah, I think she's great and she just keeps on trucking, man. Um, and so I, I, I always like seeing her compete. Um, other people who performed well, uh, the men's marathon was a 20 year old guy from Milton, Georgia named Hayden Marshall. Um, he was wearing a Georgia tech singlet, um, which it was not like a team singlet, but I saw a lot of people because I was standing on the corner cheering uh, between the four mile mark and the five mile mark. I saw a lot of people wearing Georgia Tech singlets that I think it may be like the Georgia Tech running club or something else like that, uh, for sure. Um, there was the women's marathon winner was a woman named Beth Dolis, who was a 46 year old from Massachusetts. Um, she had also done the, uh, the, the 5K the day before. Um, the push assist winner was Justin Knight, who was pushed by friend of the podcast Justin Dugan, Justin Dugan. yes indeed uh they did 141 for the uh, for the half marathon um and then the uh the pro field was very heavy in the half marathon um as evidenced by the fact that the winner Sige Kidanu uh who was from the UK who's from Edinburgh uh, won in 6039 uh 1 hour and 39 seconds um the women's winner is from I-10 in Kenya, uh, Vivian Chukkarui. Um, she ran 68.45, one hour, eight minutes and 45 seconds. So pretty, pretty incredible. Good on that course. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hilly, difficult course. And so to run both of those times on that course is is a pretty stunningly fast thing. And then we saw lots of friends, lots of people we knew among those 9,000 uh, that we got to see compete. We've already given a shout out to Justin Dugan here, but Michelle, you had somebody. Uh, Jill Braley took third in that masters championship 5k which is pretty awesome just to see her out there and and still killing it she was a 2012 uh, olympic marathon trials qualifier so it's always fun to see her kind of go out there and represent atlanta track club and kick a little bit of ass so folks who i saw while out there cheering for the half marathon and marathon uh katie ferguson friend of the podcast she came on a couple of years ago to talk about uh balancing all of her competitive endeavors with uh with her life and motherhood and that sort of thing uh, she was actually pacing the 155 group um along with her husband eddie ferguson who is a, a friend of mine a guy that i used to coach as well uh quali kona qualifier and a multi-time boston qualifier uh, another friend of the podcast, Aaron Weddy, was out there as part of the Push Assist Division. Um, she came on the podcast a few years ago to talk about completing the Dopey Challenge, you will recall. Um, another friend of the podcast, even though I haven't convinced her to quite come on just yet, was Lindsay Amerson, who is out there, a friend of mine from Dynamo, uh, a former training partner of mine, uh, who leads a lot of group runs in Dunwoody, Georgia. 
um, uh, was part of the push assist division as well. Uh, Eric Ledbetter, another friend of the podcast who was on here a couple of years ago talking about when uh, the Boston Marathon flipped to virtual. Um, he was part of the push assist division. Um, we saw Brent Pease and Kyle Pease, uh, the leaders of that push assist division, the uh, the primary folks who who uh, got that push assist division established um, uh, several years ago. Um, they were not together, but I did get to see both of them and cheer for both of them as they came running by. Uh, Jonathan Burke was out there running the half marathon, even though he's on an injured foot right now. He did the Berlin Marathon last September, and then a week later, his now wife Katie ran the London Marathon with me. And so when we were on that great trip to London that climaxed with the London Marathon, uh, he and his wife were there, which was great. And so I was happy to see him and give him sort of a half high five hug type thing. Uh, <laughs> Adi Wetzels, uh, one of my training partners who I was literally just riding bikes with this morning was out there running the half marathon. And it was funny when Adi actually saw me, he goes, Dr. Darden. Um, and, and right as he said that a person that was running past me looked over, um, and, and said, George, and it was my cousin, Brian, who I haven't seen in several years is one of my first cousins. And I had no idea that he was running, let alone running the marathon. Um, and he went out there and actually ran brilliantly. He didn't run the half marathon, he ran the full marathon. Um, and evenly paced throughout the entire thing, which is not something that marathoners in general tend to do. And certainly that they don't <laughs> tend to do on that hilly course um, and uh, and moved up through the field. Um, he started off around 350th place um, at the first 5K or so. Um, and at the finish, he was in about 180th. Um, and so he passed 50% of the people that were in front of him over the course of that race, which I thought was pretty cool there. So kudos to my cousin, Brian. Um, so exactly what you said played out. So what's most that? marathoners do not evenly pace. So, so they don't, but he did <laughs> exactly. But again, he passed 50% yeah. of the people that were ahead of him. Exactly. Exactly. So, so got those Darden jeans. Um, Joseph McLeod, a uh, listener to the podcast, um, a multi-time Boston qualifier, qualified for Boston, um, and uh, is going to be going there next year um, in the marathon. Uh, Whitney Blackmore, another one of my uh, uh, training partners, I saw her out there running. Um, and then Allison Mercer, who my next big target race is going to be on a team with Allison Mercer and with Justin Dugan and with Michelle Frank. Better start running good. <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> so I saw Allison pacing. Uh, what group was she pacing? Maybe the 145 group? No, 140. 140 yeah. group. Yeah. Um, and so, of course, we had Allison last year talking about strolling Jim um, uh, and finishing second behind Camille Heron and getting her gold T-shirt at strolling Jim last year. Um, uh, and I wasn't able to, to be a part of that interview, which is unfortunate. Um but I will get to have plenty of time with Allison Mercer and with Michelle Frank and with Justin Dugan when the four of us run in the ultra division of the Ragnar Trail Relay Atlanta on April 21st, which I'm super excited about. Michelle, are you excited about our big ultra thing? Or are you focused entirely on run for Peyton's, which is just next weekend? That is such a bad topic for me right now. <laughs> I'm mostly focused on Ragnar because I'm coming off eight days of, I think, destroying myself in Colorado. And I don't really think Peyton's is, is going to work out, but we'll see. I'm, I'm about like a 7%. I'm going to go next weekend. So I, I don't know that I'm going to go. You have to go. <laughs> I don't know. I actually don't have to go. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a pretty big drive. It's money on lodging. And if I know that it's just going to put me deeper into like an exhaustion hole, than I feel like I'm currently in, I don't think it's the best thing for my plans like in April and into the beginning of the summer. So I'm, I'm teetering with Eric just... and Grace are going to be there. Eric way in here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a really tough race. Um, I Eric, really, that's I not what I meant. <laughs> I encourage weaker runners not to show up. Um, okay, never there mind. we go. Reverse psychology. Okay. My bad, my bad. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. And if, if, if you don't like running off road, I, and if you don't like having fun, I think this is one to definitely avoid. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I was 
I mean, I was and unable if you don't to like run grace. Like... I mean, if, if you just don't like <laughs> oh, yeah. grace, because you're going to get Let's a lot of grace. grace. There. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I have like a nutrition plan and everything for it. It involves like hot pancakes for you guys also. Um, and you don't even know that yet, but I just, I know that like, now, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if I'm going to be there. So I just, I would advise you to figure out your own damn nutrition. Um, <laughs> I just, I can't explain how tired I am. And I, I have a workout Sunday. I had like a 10 mile run this morning, which she said longish ish, you know, ish. Um, and I really struggled to just run 10 minute miles today. And I, like, when I say really struggled, I mean, I was really trying, so we'll see. Uh, I'm not going to go run another 31 miles in a day. If it's going to push me back for Ragnar. Also, Justin told me he was going to be the weakest link, but he just ran like a 140 half pushing a wheelchair, which means <laughs> I don't think Justin's the weakest link, which means I'm the weakest link. So I really need to focus on being in as top of form as I can be like six weeks from now. So I, I don't know. We'll see. This, how how this, far are you running at Ragnar? It's about, it's about 35 miles at Ragnar. Run. 36 miles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how many segments is that? Six. Okay. So it sounds to me like Peyton's is the perfect training for yep. Ragnar. Exactly what I was going to say. Mean, I mean, literally, Michelle, it's like the perfect training for Ragnar. Mm -hmm. It's a little, it, it's less distance. It's it's almost like a uh, interval workout mm -hmm. that closely matches Ragnar without mm -hmm. being Ragnar. Mm -hmm. I agree. I certainly, obviously, when you and I are on a re relay team together, I want you to be in top form. But I don't I don't think that Peyton's is necessarily going to wipe you out the way that you think it is. Um, the weather is going to be good. It's a it's going to be freezing. Course. Freezing is good to you. Um, <laughs> That's true. And so so <laughs> I, I think that that you can take it as easy as you want to. And so I, I think it's much more of a festive event for the vast majority of people that are there than you think it is. Um, it's not this super hyper competitive situation where you're going to have to be like just turning yourself inside out in order to make it through the seventh, eighth and ninth repeats. George, you're talking as my friend and not as my coach right now. Yeah. 100%. If I told you that I was like super exhausted and I felt awful yep. and I was buried underneath work and my kids were having a hard time, you'd be like, okay, well, this is not the actual goal. So let's just put this on the back burner and it'll be there next year. But instead you're like, oh, you should go. It'll be so much fun. And it's not going to take that much out of you. I, yeah. Okay. Fair. Um, <laughs> so, but you know, I'm not your coach and I am your friend. So I feel okay about that. <laughs> well, then I, you know, I, I have to, at some point I have to make my own decision here. So um, anyway, I, I, I think, I think you would enjoy it. I think you're thinking about it in a stressful, like you're thinking about it as a stressful, draining physical endeavor. And, and the one thing that you did say that that I agree with is like the drive there and the drive back. Okay, yeah, that's that's not great. Um, yeah. that that that's something you do have to manage and do, and that's not great. Um, but but I think as far as the event goes, I think you would you would find it less physically draining and more mentally uplifting than you think. Unless I don't finish it, which will just be that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. So. To be continued, obviously, this conversation here. But um, I will mention one more thing here about the Atlanta Marathon Half Marathon. And that is that they have decided next year to have a new division. It's going to be the Marathon Relay. And both Michelle and I are going to be running the Marathon Relay, but not on the same team. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about that. When the Atlanta Track Club first came out with the quote Atlanta Marathon, it was run for a few years on the weekend of Halloween. I think Tracy Russell was still here. It did not work. She wanted it to be like a New York City or a Chicago. Nobody's coming to Atlanta in the fall to run a marathon when they can go to New York City or Chicago. But part of what that weekend did have was the marathon relay. And as somebody who once ran the marathon that weekend, um, it was a one and done for me. Thankfully, it, the whole race was only existed for a few years. But the marathoners who were running the relay were having so much more fun than mm -hmm. those of us running 26.2 miles. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really excited to see that Atlanta track club brought that back for the public's weekend next year. And I was really happy to register. And also like for $75, it felt like a gift. That's yeah, probably sure. the cheapest registration fee I've paid for a marathon of any sort, even a half marathon in years. It Me felt too. like, so I'm Me very too. excited about that. I am too. I'm looking forward to it. My uh, my relay mate is going to be Adam Heiser, 
um, who is the uh, the founder and the head of ITL Coaching and Performance, an athlete that I've I've coached before. He's a Kona qualifier and a Boston qualifier, and so he and I are looking forward to run together. Um, and your partner is Lauren Fogarty, friend of the podcast, Lauren Fogarty. And so um, I will look forward to competing against both of you this time. Oh next yes, year. it's going to be a hot competition. <laughs> It's on, sucker. Um, um, all right. Um, we don't want to talk about too much news here today because, you know, we don't want to distract from the focus of, of today's podcast, that being, of course, me, as Eric <laughs> said. Um, uh, but I do want to do a couple quick things. First thing, strength work check-in. Uh, Michelle, do you do strength work this week? I haven't done it yet, but I am transitioning to like a actual very official strength program. So I've done a lot of setup work this week to be ready to start that next week. I purchased a pair of like adjustable dumbbells. Is that what they're called? Mm -hmm. They were like $300. So that's Mm -hmm. a a pretty big purchase. I got a tripod because I'm doing this all virtually and um, the strength coach wants to be able to see everything that I'm doing. And every time I've tried to video myself so far, I have not done a good job of setting up the phone. And I actually finally got a real set of like bands. All Mm -hmm. of my bands are put together from, you know, a physical therapist here, something from one of my kids, you know, workout stuff there. So um, I'm pretty excited about that. Okay. Uh, So a little bit, I've done more like prep strength work this week, but no actual strength workout. And you did like some movement analysis and stuff like that. So the strength coach can actually give you a more uh, specific program, right? Yeah. I actually did it before I I left for Colorado and I failed it. Um, There was like eight (laughs) movements and he basically wrote, I'm sorry, but I'm going to need you to do this and this and this and this and this again for me. Um, So I I redid that this week, which hopefully I haven't heard anything negative about. So hopefully it worked this time, but I will just say that, um, I skied really hard and I did like a fifth day on cross country skis and a pretty tough snowshoe hike on the sixth day. So my, my body is very sore right now. Um, Mm. so I don't care that I'm not, you know, actually lifting this week. All right. So one other quick piece of news I do want to mention here, um, uh, just amidst all of these other things and with the Academy Awards coming up, uh, has to do with Leslie Patterson. Um, and so Leslie Patterson uh, was a 2011 off-road triathlon world champion. Um, and like most world champions, she's being interviewed after the finish. And they're like, that was great. That was great. What's next? And she goes, now I'm going to win an Oscar. And that's like not normally what and you would did. hear from the <laughs> off-road triathlon world champion. Um, but in fact, she was not being hyperbolic. She at that point had already for about five or six years been working on a project related to a remake of the old film uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, or at least maybe like a reinterpretation of the book that that old movie was originally based on. But for more of a 2023 crowd um, or a 2011 crowd back then, I guess it was. Well, anyway, it took her years and years and years. um, And she was a pro triathlete that entire time. And she was able to continue to make a livelihood and fund all of her endeavors with this movie and ultimately get the movie made with the winnings that she had as a, as a professional triathlete. Um, And it now has nine Academy Award nominations, including one particularly for her for actually doing the screenplay. Um, It won seven BAFTA Awards, which is like the British version of the Academy Awards. Um, And it is one of the favorites to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards next week. Have you seen it? I haven't. It's 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 on my I thought I was going to watch it this week because my wife was out of town and I was like, this is my opportunity to watch it. I'm I feel pretty confident I'm probably going to watch it over the course of the next few days. I'm excited to watch it at this point. Um, Have you? It's on Netflix. I I haven't seen it. I've been told by multiple people that it's just really, really heavy and it's Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, The Hollywood Report just came out with a piece on her and on the on the movie. So I actually printed it as like one of the articles that I've saved for the week that I want to read this weekend. I was going to read it first. I do think I'll watch it. It's just, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's got to be the right time and place. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not a movie about triathlon. (laughs) Right. No, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested to see it just as, as a general consumer of movies. Right. Um, And, and if it's a great movie, I want to watch it as a, as a, as a movie. The fact that she was the screenwriter behind it uh, makes it that much more interesting to me, but I definitely don't expect to, to see a whole lot of triathlon sensibilities in it when I watch it. Um, I did have one student that I was talking to about it a week or two ago. And she said that there's a couple of scenes that she said you could tell that a runner filmed them. 
And I was like, really? what do you mean? Yeah. And she, I said, what do you mean by that? And she said, just like the way the camera moved through the pack dynamics on an open battlefield. She said, it felt like it was like a runner filming it. That's so, so interesting. I would yeah, never so, think so, to. Yeah. Um, and she hadn't known, like when I was talking to the student about it, she didn't know that the screenwriter was actually a professional world champion triathlete. Um, and so when I said that, she's like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Um, but anyway, that'll be something I'm looking for, I guess, when I when I'm actually watching it sometime over the course of the next several days here. So should be good. I'm excited about it. Um, all right. Let's get to the George show. George ran three marathons in five weeks. So one the ultra marathon and one ultra, one of which was an ultra. Yeah. So the uh, the Houston marathon, then two weeks later, Mountain Mist, and then three weeks later, the Austin marathon. Um, the Austin marathon was last weekend. It was February 18th. Um, and it went well. It went well. Um, I There was a part of me that felt like it was possible for it to be the best of the three races for me, because when I've stacked up races kind of close before, the second one tended to go better than the first. Um, um, but I didn't know whether there was kind of a point of diminishing returns. <laughs> you know, I mean, I didn't know whether the fatigue of Houston and then Mountain Mist were going to overwhelm the uh, physiological boost that I probably got from doing both of those races ahead of of Austin. Um, definitely by the time I got to the Austin finish line, I was done. I was like, I'm, I'm ready to take a little bit of break. Mentally and physically, I need the time off. Um, and so I, I never could be at a place where I did four in seven weeks or something like that. I don't think that would be a good idea. Um, but this was good and I enjoyed it. How do you think you prevented the fatigue from hitting truly until you kind of got to the finish line of the Austin marathon? Um, I, I, well, I think that there was a few things. One is that I definitely approached these three as like a unit. Um, and, and mind you, and I, we, we talked about this, we joked about this on the podcast a couple of months ago. It actually made sense originally when I was going to the Houston half marathon, then mountain mist, then Austin, like that actually kind of makes sense. Um, it was only when I decided the last minute to flip the, the Houston full, marathon, yeah. um, from the half that suddenly it became this kind of majorly overwhelming thing. Um, but I think key to it was actually saying, all right, this is this one five week stretch and like approaching the whole thing as a unit and thinking about it as a whole. Um, I think that had a lot to do with it um, because that encouraged me to um, not completely like let down my guard uh, after Houston and not completely let down my guard after Mountain Mist and to focus really heavily on recovery from each one of those much more than I did say after Austin um, and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I paid a whole lot more attention to what I was doing and what I was thinking and how I was acting after those first two races, um, because I knew I had something else coming up. So um, when, when you say that it, so my question is this, you, you knew you were going to do these, you did change from the half to the full. So that, that was a bit of a, a difference, but you laid out a basic plan for this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How closely did you execute that plan? That's like question number one. And question number two, when you're describing that, was it was it three periods or was it really one big thing? Because mm -hmm. some people would look at the first two events as pieces of the training plan to get to Austin. Right. And others would look at it as I'm going to race at Houston. I'm going to race at Mountain Mist and I'm going to race at Austin and I'm going to do my best for all of them. And the plan's going to support that, but that'd be a different plan. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was more that I approached it as one unit and Houston and Mountain Mist were steps towards Austin. It was more okay. of that. Um, but that doesn't mean that I didn't push the pace and work hard and dig deep at Houston. It, do it doesn't mean that I didn't push the pace and work hard and dig deep at Mountain Mist, right? It does mean that I paid a lot more attention to recovery after those. It does mean that I didn't really roll the dice in those races, right? Like I didn't, I didn't try and run. Well, I think I could run this a little bit. Like I didn't try and run faster than I thought okay. I could in the first half of the race, right? Like I really was conservative in the first half of the race in both of those races, not wanting to to bonk, right? Um, yeah, I paid that makes really, me feel better so, because when yeah. you first started this, I felt like the fact that you beat me by over then an hour at Mountain Mist, <laughs> but you weren't really trying. It was just a training run. No, I was, no, I, no, I, I was, I was very much better. trying. Yeah, and make no mistake, I was very much trying. I was holding back. <laughs> 
in the first half for sure, but not not trying. Okay. Right? Okay. Um, like I and I've I've actually thought about this a few times. Um, and I'm not saying I'm signing up for Mountain Mist again next year. Don't get it twisted. Well, but, as soon as it opens, I'll remind but, you. So but but I but I but I have thought about okay, how would I do Mountain Mist differently if I did it again? I think one thing I would do differently if I did it again would be to actually run with the leaders. Oh, the first half, like hold, and, yeah, hold and just see them. what happens, yeah, and see what happens, um, as opposed to kind of no, running my own race. And and I, again, I said, don't get it twisted. I'm not making plans to do that, but but that's something that I, I've wondered about before. When you and I, uh, Michelle, did um, both of the races that that we did, um, when we did the Lookout Mountain race, um, and when we did the Pine Mountain race, both in December, both of those races, each of which were around 18 or 19 miles. Um, I ran with the leaders. Like, I didn't think about what my pace was going to be. I thought about, okay, I'm going to stick with the people who are in the front. Like, that's how I ran those races. That's not at all the way that I ran Mountain Mist. Mountain Mist, I very much like ran my own race and thought about myself and that sort of thing. If I were to do Mountain Mist again, I might actually try and run with the leaders. That was not part of the strategy, not part of the plan at all this year. And it was in part because last year had been so difficult, but it was also in part because I didn't want to screw it up like I did last year, because that would compromise Austin. You see what I'm saying? So, so I wasn't anyway necessarily holding back, but I was making a point to be as smart as I possibly could. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. Yeah. So, um, I think the two. I, I'm, I'm really good. This is not something I'm necessarily proud of being good at. I'm really good at just completely dropping all of it. <laughs> you know, like, like saying, saying, oh, okay, is this my break week? Cool. I'm going to go from drinking one beer a week to drinking two or three per night. Like I haven't had a hamburger in, in months. I'm going to have one for breakfast, one for lunch and one for dinner. Like I, I am, I am very, very hot or cold sometimes when it comes to these sorts of things. Um, and so following a big race, I will just let it all go, man. Like in, in hmm. a ridiculous and fairly obscene fashion. Um, and so that was frankly, part of it too, is so you I, had, I had to cross the finish line <laughs> I had to cross the finish line. and Michelle buys shoes and outfits. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I had to cross the finish line of the Houston marathon and, and be like, all right, I'm happy with that. That was a major effort. I'm not going to celebrate by just completely letting go of everything. I'm not going to celebrate by completely letting it on my guard. Same thing with Mountain Mist. I had a beer in the new glass that we all won. And, and then, you, it. then you washed it in your dishwasher. Then I washed it in my dishwasher and, and wrecked it, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> Same here. Um, yeah. No, this is this uh, is interesting. So this was a mental battle for yeah. you as much as it was a physical yeah. training plan or it was yeah. a mental training plan. How do you feel about that? You, you, it sounds like you feel like you successfully I do. Executed that. I, I do, but it was hard. Um, and I don't think I had another one in me. Like, so if for some unknown godforsaken reason, I decided that I was going to try and do four in a row or, or four kind of races of this magnitude in a row, like, I, I don't think I, I couldn't do that. Or if I could, I would have had to. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it would have been hard. By the time I got to the tail end of the Austin week, and there were three weeks in between Mountain Mist and and in Austin, which that's another takeaway for me is that two weeks, you can kind of stay up for two weeks. Staying, staying up for three weeks was hard. Um, and so like kind of keeping that level for a, a third week was difficult. But by the time I got to right before Austin, I was really ready to, to be done. Um, I was actually worried going into the Austin marathon in the day or two or three days beforehand that my mind had already shifted to being done with the race that I was going to kind of blow it during the race. Does that make sense? And I yeah. was like, George, you got to yeah. quit thinking about the finish of the race. Like you need to get into the actual execution of the race. You need to start thinking about the next step and, and the mile you're in. Right. So, um, yeah. So, so, so that was actually really hard to answer your question. Yeah. Um. So I know like Houston was enticing because it was a big group of people. A lot of the people that you train with um, yeah. 
yeah. when you coach the indoor virtual cycling workouts, but why Austin? Like why the Austin marathon? Yeah. Yeah. So good question. I mean, question. you just like Austin Texas was cool. that much or <laughs> God bless Texas. <laughs> so it's funny you say that because like, so my, my workout room is decorated with like vintage posters of all these various places where I've run ma- marathons. Right. And so I just ordered my vintage Texas poster and I'm going to put both the Houston marathon medal and the Austin marathon medal on that particular poster. Um, cool. uh, but so, yeah, yeah. So it's cool. It's, it's, it's a cool looking vintage poster, but anyway, um, uh, yeah, this was kind of my, my Texas month, if you will. Um, and no, I'm not going to turn around and try and run the Dallas marathon or the San Antonio marathon or anything else like that. But, but yeah, it, it was a completely different vibe. Um, when I decided not to run the Tokyo marathon, which is this weekend. Um, and I originally had, was going to do it in 2020 and then it was deferred up 2023. Um, when I originally, when we originally said that, that I wasn't going to do it, um, because frankly, it would take all of our money for us to do it. Um, and we could pay for it, but yet that would mean that we literally couldn't do anything else fun for the whole rest of the year. It's not worth it. <laughs> um, it wasn't, it just wasn't worth it. I mean, and, and I'll still run Tokyo someday, I think, but, but I, I would rather take four family trips to cool places than one to a really cool place. Plus I'm going to Berlin this fall anyway, right? My family's all going to Berlin. It's like, I'm getting my international marathon in 2023 anyway. Um, And so when I decided not to do that, I said, I do want to have some marathon right around that same time frame. Um, And the Austin marathon has always been on my, my list. Um, My friend, Pete Ray, friend of the podcast, who's come on here, the coach at, at, at Zap Endurance, um, he's run it a few times back in the day. And he used to always talk about how great it was. Um, Casey and I, my wife and I went to Austin back in 2010 and really enjoyed it and thought it was a neat place. Um, and so I was eager to go back and see how much it's changed over the course of the past 13 years, which is a lot actually. Um, and, uh, uh, it was cool. It was a great vibe, had a lot of turns, (laughs) a lot of short, punchy hills, um, but a lot of kids volunteering, which was fun. Um, and, and a lot of people out on course, which was great. Yeah, it was fun. It's a good marathon. I do recommend it. Yeah. Um, what is you mentioned turns that, uh, picture you sent us of the last point two. Oh my God. Downhill in the 90 degree left-hand turn. Okay. Here's Phenomenal. what's, here's what's Phenomenal. funny about that. Okay. So I texted y'all the couple nights before the race, the Friday night before the race that the, space or the the distance from the 26 mile mark into the finish was a big downhill left turn and i was thinking oh my god this is going to be so painful for me to run down this hill at the very end of the race what i failed to realize and eric you're welcome to make fun of me about this is that in order to get to that downhill you had to run up a hill and there was a (laughs) short viciously rudely obnoxiously steep hill up to 26 and at that point, like you literally take it, you don't see it until you take a left turn and there it is. Um, and and just before that, I had been just killing myself for about a mile at that point. I ran past this one fan and she goes, be strong up the hill. And I was like, oh, shit. Up the hill. <laughs> I was like, there's an uphill. Uh-oh. And then take this left and there is this massive quarter mile long hill that averages probably six or seven percent and had some double digit pitches in it. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to literally I think the die. technical term for that is oof. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so I, I, I got up it as fast as I could. And I was convinced that one of the guys was going to catch me. But he didn't, which is good. And I ended up, like, holding off uh, the people that finished right behind me, the guy that finished right behind me by eight seconds, which was good. Um, but, but you will appreciate this, Eric. So because Austin is a cycling town, because there are so many cyclists there, they actually put like a finishing banner at the top of that hill. Um, And so it felt like a Zwift race. It felt like, you know, I'm kind of at the limit. And then suddenly you hit this short punchy hill that's going to take you about a minute to a minute and a half to get up. And you have to just go as hard as you possibly can up this hill and then just try and sustain it through the banner and just hang on. That's very much where my mind went. (laughs) Um, because after, you know, finishing this, this Zwift racing season, literally we finished it the Tuesday before this race was on Sunday. That's very much what my mind was. And, and I have no doubt that that was extremely helpful to me, um, just to kind of flip into that mental space. There are way too many of those in Zwift. So, right. Yeah. Um, there was way too many of them in the Austin marathon. 
and there was one. <laughs> <laughs> one too many. So one, one was one too many, but I was able to manage it okay. So now that Austin is done and complete, is there any other marathon in Texas? Do you want to run Woodlands or, or are you good with Texas? <laughs> I think I'm good with Texas. Um, okay. If I was going to run another one, I might run the Dallas White Rock Marathon because that one's been around for a while. The San Antonio That's in one. January, isn't it? I think so. I don't know. Um, the San Antonio one is a rock and roll marathon. I don't have much desire to do a rock and roll marathon. No. Yeah. Um, and then I, I was talking to some people about this this morning uh, during our bike workout. I guarantee there are probably a ton of marathons in Texas that have like 30 to 50 finishers. Um, there's For probably, sure. there's probably like scores of them, literally. Yeah. Uh, that's it is so large. Well, um, and so everything in Texas is bigger. So, right. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, I think, I think I'm about done with Texas. Um, but I'm glad I did this race. Um, I'm glad I did the Houston marathon. Both of those were, were, were on my radar to do. And, and, and I ended up checking them both off the list and I get a reward from both of them. I was second in my age group at Houston. I actually won my age group at Austin. So, so yeah, that's fun. That's pretty cool too. That's pretty cool too. Austin sent me an email and said, congratulations. You're an age group winner. Uh, if you want us to ship your reward to you, uh, or your award to you, uh, here, fill out this form and pay this $15 shipping fee. <laughs> I would pay it. No problem. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't got <laughs> um, yeah, there was no doubt that I would. Yeah. Uh, and the finisher medal for Austin was cool. Um, it says, it literally says I heart queso on it. Um, and then it looks like a belt buckle and it has a picture of the Capitol. It has a picture of the, uh, of the bat who is the mascot, uh, the bat named Boo Jam, um, and, uh, uh, who I was able to get a finish, a, picture with at the finish line which was fun um and so so yeah if the award looks anything like the uh like the finisher medal i'm here for it man you know so i did not ask the one question about the award is i i was gonna say so does it look like a belt buckle yeah yeah and in fact it comes with a um it comes with a with a velcroed uh necklace strap so you can actually take off the the strap and you can use it as a belt buckle which That's I have not yet cool. done. So I'm I've too steeped in where the yeah. belt buckle was turned into something you can wear around your neck, but it was it, essentially a belt buckle on a right on a metal strap. So right. you just cut it. You'd have to cut it because it wasn't Velcroed, but it sounds to me like they did the same thing for this. That's right. cool. Right. That's right. Cool. Yeah. I, I'm a little bit too steeped in ultra culture to turn a marathon metal into a belt buckle. Like I kind of right. feel like That's you, the problem. You, yeah, you, you have to, have earn to it. You have to run a hundred miler to get I a know. belt buckle is very much the way I think about it. So, so I, I don't plan to turn it into a belt buckle. I'll just hang it from my vintage poster in the, uh, in the workout room and be good with it. Um, but it is a fun okay. for sure. So I have a good question now. Um, you just, as opposed to Eric's question, obviously, <laughs> but you just spent this time building up and training for kind of like an extended block of extended endurance events. But now you're going to take a little bit of downtime and shift. And the goal is a 40 mile road race, essentially. Yeah. 40 mile no, road. No, the ultra. goal is drink beer and eat burgers. That, that, that was the goal gonna last end. week. That that's going to end. Week. We know that's ending. Um, <laughs> so, will you mostly train similarly to what you just did to get through mm -hmm. these three races to be prepared for this 40 mile road ultra? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, so, so the, the strolling gym is is you know we had Allison Mercer on the podcast talking about strolling gym last year and and the way that she talked about it and the way that she talked about the race director Laz who I've never been a huge fan of but because she spoke highly of him convinced me that okay this is, might be something kind of worth trying um and so and and it's kind of looking at the way the schedule laid out this year it seemed like this was a good year to do it and so so yeah I took last week completely off this week is a lighter week next week is my spring break and my wife and I are going out of town um, and so we're going to be literally on vacation. Um, and so that's going to be a lighter week in which I prioritize eating and drinking and being on vacation um, than, than I do training. And so I'm going to get back from that in mid-March. And so mid-March to early May. So the kind of, kind of that six-week stretch um, is when I'm really going to be training for this 40-mile race. And, and I think as part of that, you know, you and I are going to do that Ragnar Relay, that Ultra Relay. Um, which yeah. I think will be be a good training effort, um, uh, even though, you know, I'm going to race it and do as well as I possibly can. It's going to be a training effort. I'm thinking that two weeks before that, I'm probably going to run this real small, low-key South Georgia marathon. Um, and I'm going to do it as, I'm not going to do it at my hardest. I'm going to do what it. What race? 
So it's called the Chasing Jefferson Davis Marathon. Like I said, it's in South Georgia. And so it takes reference to the president of the Confederacy. Um, and uh, which I'm not too jazzed about, but at the same time, reading the race description, it does not appear as if it's an homage to the Southern Rebellion of the 1860s. Um, and so, so I don't think that like the race t-shirt or the medal or anything is going to have like a Confederate flag on it. So I think I feel okay running it, but, um, so I'm thinking I'm going to do that, but, and not, and try and run right about three hours, um, which is about the same pace that I want to try and run strolling gym. Um, and so, so I'm thinking I'm probably going to do that. And then otherwise though, that relay, that marathon would be sort of my big efforts and everything else would be smaller efforts and training on the bike and shorter runs and and shorter workouts and, and, and all that sort of thing. So um, regular, you know, other long runs that don't exceed two hours and, and, and stuff like that. So that, that that's the way I've kind of mapped it out. We'll see how it unfolds, of course. Um, and we'll see whether when I actually start training again in a couple of weeks, like truly following a schedule and training, whether... I spent up all my mental energy over the course of January and February. Yeah. And I need to save it for the Berlin build, which will start this summer. Um, and if I do, then I will because Berlin's more important. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Will you run strolling gym regardless though? I don't know. I'm going to kind of cross that bridge when I come to it. Yeah. I can't imagine. I can't imagine doing a 41 mile race and not being well prepared for it. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so if, if I find that my training doesn't go very well leading up to that, um, that race, which is in the first weekend of May, um, then, then I, I can't imagine that I would, I would continue to run, but we'll see. I'll run the Ragnar relay regardless. <laughs> so it's so interesting. And, and, and that's and that's actually part of it too, is that having that Ragnar relay, like you're gonna be there and Justin's gonna be there and Allison's gonna be there. And so like that's gonna hold me accountable to make me train for it and actually do that. And that's right. the reason that's the reason and why don't I'm you want to feel good for that? Absolutely. Me too, um, which is why I don't want to run Payton's next week. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you backed me into a corner with that one. I feel like you set me up a little bit. That was really good. Uh, but that's also the reason why I'm thinking about signing up for this low-key marathon in South Georgia. Not only because I have sort of a a secondary goal in my life to run all the marathons in the state of Georgia where we live. Um, but but also because it's like if you put that event and I sign up for it, I'm gonna go. Right. Um, it's it's going to make me go out and do a 26 mile long run at roughly the pace at which I want to race strolling gym. Right. Um, and so so that that's kind of part of it, too. I, I'm like a big fan of, um, you know, the race doesn't care how fast you run. They are happy to get your registration fee and you mm -hmm. get a supported long run, quote unquote, mm -hmm. supported yeah. long run. So yeah. I'm like a big fan of that. I, I, no. I am, too. I am, too, except to say that I have definitely whenever I've done races as workouts, I've always been frustrated when I look at the results afterwards. Like, sure. like I'll, like I'll do, I'll do a half marathon, um, as a fast finish run two weeks before a marathon. And I'll, yeah, finish, that's never worked well for me. And, and, and I'll finish second place. And I'll be like, if I would have just run it, I could have won. I never, race. so I never seem to gain the confidence from using a race like that in a build. This is like road marathon stuff, but I do, I do love the idea of just showing up and everything you need is already on the course. Mm -hmm. I guess it's like kind of a yeah. catch 22. Yeah, I agree. I or do you need the most on the day, so to speak? Yeah. But I agree. I mean, that's that Mark, Mark Allen, um, you know, one of the, the greatest uh, ultra distance triathletes of all time. Uh, I think six times uh, Ironman world champion. Um, Mark Allen once said that, that he approached all of his races as catered long workouts. Um and that's kind of, I think, I think that's potentially a good thing. I don't approach my A races that way. Um, but my, my very best races, I don't approach that way, but, but I think there is something nice about having catered long runs, you know, with a police car out in front of you, stopping all the traffic. That's kind of nice. You know? yeah. 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 So we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right, y'all. Thanks for making it all about me. This was super fun for me. <laughs> it was only like 28 minutes about you <laughs> but okay <laughs> that's that's about all anybody can stand i imagine so, so so i think we're good i think we're good um eric thanks for being with us man uh i always enjoy it george i did want to do one quick in case you missed it yeah yeah our friend uh brett wellborn 
in South Carolina. He went out and uh, established himself as the over 50 record holder for South Carolina in the 50K. And then he stumbled through finishing 50 miles. And unbeknownst to him, he actually just set the over 50 record for 50 miles as well. So we have a double South Carolina awesome. ultra record holder, Brett Walborn. And that's just yeah. so awesome. And Michelle, you will get to meet so him in person at Peyton <laughs> on the 11th of March. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Brett. I am too. And 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 Brett is somebody we've talked about a lot on this podcast. He's a member of our Blue Ridge Relay team, but yet he's one of the few people on the Blue Ridge Relay team who hasn't ever come on the podcast before. And he's always joked that he doesn't know what he would talk about if he came on the podcast. Now Could he know. talk about his bondies? So so we can we can talk about his setting the South Carolina state record for an over 50 person in both the 50k and 50 mile while wearing bondies. While wearing bondies. <laughs> so I'll just say uh I know Brett you're going to listen to this but I thought it was really cool to see your name and your results up there cuz I was following Camille Heron's attempt. Um so you could you know you could watch because she was so far up there for so I you could watch kind of both names um as they went through the laps. Obviously Camille continued and Brett didn't but I still thought it was fun and thought it was a great run. So it's even more fun when you get records obviously. I, but I, I, also I found- like I, I, I thought it was cool, like so much so that I actually like pulled up the state records for Georgia and stuff like that and started thinking about those for myself amidst all the other things I'm thinking about. Um, you, and so, so yeah, it was an inspiring performance. Do you guys think he might like the New Balance um, Fuel Cell Super Comp Trainer? I don't think it matters whether he likes it or not. He's not going to wear it. And he's not going to buy it. Do you know how long it took him to decide to wear a pair of Bondi X's? No, I don't want to know. You need to spend some time with Brett. And on the 11th, you're going to get that opportunity. There so you go. How many pair of those Hokas does Brett he have? In person? That's a great is- question for you to ask him when you see him at Peyton's <laughs> next weekend. I won't be here next week, of course. Like I just said, I'm going on spring break. Uh, and so so I won't be there to, uh, to, to, to wish you both good luck at Run for Peyton's, the 10 by 5K in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina next weekend. So good luck, both of y'all. Um, uh, Eric, once again, thanks for being here, man. Loved it. Thank you. Michelle, thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having me. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast on Twitter at Pleasant Podcast, on Instagram at Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Be sure to share us with your friends. We're brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com. Their Twitter is at ITL Coaching, and their Facebook group is facebook.com slash ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them on Instagram at ITL Coaching. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at ElementalAltitude.com, on Instagram at ElementalAltitude, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ElementalAltitude. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at BluePineappleTravel.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BluePineappleTravel, or on Instagram at BluePineappleTravel. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at HighEchelonCPA.com. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.